Are you serious? I've got a fire in my eyes. I'm burning brighter than the sunlight. You orchestrated my escape. Now I'm awake. I feel alive for the first time. You ignite the fire in my eyes. Hello, my friends. Welcome. This is one more edition of the Brother Marcos radio show. We are broadcasting directly from Brazil to the rest of the world through the data flow and the airwaves of Radio Redemption and Power Network and the Cabal Radio Network. It's good to be with you one more time. Thanks for your attention. We have a very interesting topic today. We're going to talk about the subtle heresies oh yes i'll tell you my friends if you are if you are a christian these days you know the enemy of your soul he knows that he won't deceive you using something uh, very blatant very clear very shocking okay Satan does not expect you to start to start attending the church of Satan, okay? He does not expect you to go to a spirit spirit cooking ritual, you know, the thing that 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 the people from you know the the John Podesta and the people in the Demo Democratic Party they like you know, Marina Abramovich, you know, they bathe in blood and uh, this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, the Satan knows that you are too smart, you know, to not see the danger. So what he's doing right now, he is using subtle heresies. And subtle heresies, I mean, technically, they cannot even be considered heresies because heresies is something that by itself will make you lose your salvation. And uh, we're going to talk about some things like Lent today that even if you engage in that, you will not lose your salvation necessarily. But my friends, you're going to take the first step into a slippery slope. You know those sliders that they have in wet and wild parks? Oh, yes. You know, if you take the first step, my friends, there's no turning back. Down you go. Down you go. And that's the whole strategy of the enemy. Okay? That's the whole stat strategy. Just, you know, some quiet time, some contemplative prayer here. You know, some renunciation during Lent, okay? And then you're taking the first step into a works religion, the religion of mystical experiences and rituals that is going to be the basis of the religion of the Antichrist, the one world religion that is coming, okay? And you won't see, you won't really realize that you are totally immersed in that thing. So what we're going to talk about is is you know how you can how you can really detect with a, a radar a spiritual radar that it's calling the bible discernment 
so you do not engage in those practices. Because, you know, the, the real remedy against that is to know your Bible. Is to know your Bible, not like Jehovah Witnesses do, like Mormons do, you know. They simply memorize scripture. No, you have to understand the principles behind it. You have to understand what Jesus and God expect from us. Okay? I say Jesus, the Son, and God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. The three are one, and the three are God. You know, God expects from us total dependence, submission, obedience. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, you know, don't say that you love me. You know, it doesn't matter you're crying or jumping up and down at church that you were lighting up 100 candles for me. You know, that doesn't really mean much. Obey my commands. Obey my commandments. That's what Jesus said. That's the way that we really prove that we love Jesus. So it's all about submission. I am a divine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. So that's the key for, the, for Christian living. I hope to talk about, about spiritual living. How do you really, how can you really have a spiritual life in the, in the next program? But, you know, it's all about submission. And what these people do is to try to give you tools in order to satisfy your vanity and your pride. Because, you know... People like to say, people, you know, we are all narcissists in one degree or another. We like to think that we deserve things. We like to think that we're spiritual because of our qualities, our inner qualities. When the Bible says that our hearts are wicked, desperately wicked. My friends... There's nothing you can give back to God apart from faith and obedience. There's nothing inherently good that he needs from you. But that's what the, those people are teaching, in, especially inside the church. And we can see that now with the whole concept of land. We're going to talk about land in the first part of the program and I'm going to discuss uh, in the second part of the program a guy, a pastor from uh, a church in the United States, a word of life church that is for me, you know, he's not as special because there's a lot of guys like him today. But I think he's special because he really concentrates in himself. He is the perfect model about all I'm going to talk about today, okay? So I'd like to start with scripture. Very simple scripture here, my friends, for you, okay? All right. 
So here's the verse, guys. Uh, I had to to record this later because you know there, I had problems with the software. It really stopped at working, but you know it doesn't matter. Here it is. The verse that I'm talking about is a uh, it's can be found in Luke 18, starting on verse 9. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. See here, this is the key point. They were confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. In the KJV, we, we, we see a different translation here. It says, they who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Isn't that interesting? I mean, when you really think that you were 100% righteous, you're trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in God anymore. And that's what I'm talking about here. Lent, rituals, mystical experiences, you know, solitude. It's all about yourself. It's all about your self-righteousness. Uh, instead, my friends, Christianity is outward directed. You are directed to other people, not to yourself. It's exactly the contrary of what Christianity is all about. And the KGV also says they despise others because that's what's hap what happens 100% of the time. If you think you were completely righteous, you start to despise others because, you know, you are more advanced, you're more developed. That, that, that's the whole idea of Gnosticism. You're an elite, okay? So two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. I give up chocolate on Lent. Maybe he would say that today. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even, not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, and say God, have mercy on me, a sinner. See here that he didn't offer anything to God? Nothing. He just asked for mercy from a point of repentance. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, my friends, if you really understand this passage, I mean... I don't need to tell you any, anything else, you know, <laughs> because that's the whole message of this show today. That's the whole message. Okay, so let's go on. I'm sorry about the technical problem. So let's go on with the show. All right. Okay, let's go on. So uh, what happens, my friends, is that, you know, they were all very in anguish because of winter and they needed you know, spring to come. I said Easter, but it's actually spring, the season of spring. You know, the, the, the abundance of food. So they had this kinds of rituals during or in different places of the world. Okay? And, uh, I mean, The Catholics, they, they, they don't care. 
They really don't care. I mean, come on, here in Brazil, they invite the people from Santeria to do the ritual inside the church. Do you think that they care about that? Okay, and now we have like churches like Rick Warren's Saddleback inviting this kind of thing. You know, in Catholicism, it's, this is a big thing. They do the Stations of the Cross. Okay, it's a method of going through a series of artistic representations of the steps Jesus took while carrying his cross to the crucifixion. Okay? So, the idea, you see here, the mystical experience, the practice that is through these artistic representations, often unbiblical, one's emotions are supposed to be evoked to the point of sorrow and identification with Christ. So that's the idea, you know, to bring out the emotions in people. You know how subtle the enemy is? Because if you are a common Christian, you're doing your thing, raising your kids, working, you know, because everybody who is honest in this world and tries to obey God is going to have tribulations. The, the life of a Christian is not easy. It's not easy at all. I mean, it's lots of hard work. But what do they do? They will say, well, it's not enough. Just because you obey Christ and you have faith, you think it's enough? No, you're not feeling anything. You have to feel something special. Because only people who really feel something are the ones who are following God in the right way. You know? And you need mystical experiences in order to do that. That's why you do contemplative prayer. You torture yourself enough until you have some kind of, of emotion. A mystical experience. My friends, that's what the devil loves the most. Because he's the master in giving people false emotions and cheap thrills. It's very easy. Basically, in, in every occult religion in the world, there's a component of emotion. And I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm very sure about this. The devil can indeed provide some false bliss, some false peace. That's where this, this thing that, that, you know, Anglicans and Catholics, they love. It's all about the uh, dark night of the soul. What is this? Oh, it's very common. What happens, my friends, is, is that the, the, the person, he goes through a period where he suffers a lot. He's depressed. He doesn't think that the, the life of a Christian is good enough. And, and you know, they call it the dark night of the soul. They confuse things, okay? Because this is just tribulations, difficulties, okay? But you know, what happens... Usually they're demonically oppressed. They have a problem with demonic oppression. Okay? And then something will happen. 
some kind of a cold practice, some book, and the person will start to meditate, or he will meet someone who's into some kind of a cultism or, or, or some of those practices, and suddenly this depression lifts away, disappears, and the person is full of bliss and joy. And then he'll tell himself, wow, I found the answer. The answer is contemplative prayer. The answer, sir, is the common book of prayer. Okay, from the 7th century. Nobody knows about it, just me. And uh, usually they will, they will write a book about it. So this is a very old strategy of Satan. To make you feel dissatisfaction with the normal Christian life. You understand that? Okay? Because sometimes, my friends, Christian life is boring. And it's difficult. And then, okay, Satan will tell you, oh, it's difficult because you're doing something wrong. When you're doing everything right. Okay? Because your prize, your reward is in heaven, not here. But the, the devil will tell you, no, you're doing something wrong. You need some occult experience, mystical experience. So join us in contemplative prayer. That's how it works. That's how it works. Another one here. Five reasons to not observe land. You can, you can say, I'm going to post this article on our Facebook page, Brother Marcos Radio at Facebook.com. And also on the Fifth Hook Media Facebook page, so you can share this article. Five reasons not to observe land. First of all, Protestantism and Roman Catholicism do not share the same gospel. Okay? So why should we follow Catholic traditions? Okay? Lent has become a pop culture phenomena, an opportunity for braggadocio and personal gain. This is the kind of thing they don't like. Because if you tell them, you know, they will be very patient and try to appear very gracious to you until you tell them this truth. You're doing this because of your vanity, because you're full of pride and you want to look good. How oh, then they will get mad at you. Oh, they will. Because it's, tr it's true and it really hurts. Okay? You know, even Muslims are now joining Lent with the hashtag Muslims for Lent. You know? It's fashionable. Another thing, we should be fasting year-round. Because you're going to fast when the Spirit touches you. When you want, you know, to be concentrated or on something special. And as anything in the life of the Christian, you would do that because you were following, you know, the, the impressions of the Spirit in your heart. And not because it's a tradition. You're not gonna talk you're not gonna tell anybody about that. Unless it's something someone who's 
praying with you, you know, someone that you trust, but but not for showing up, showing off. Okay. Public announcements of Christian piety, in, especially in the area of fasting, are biblically questionable. Of course. Okay. While all churches have some kind of liturgy, teaching about repentance should not be limited to the Lenten season. Yes, repentance is something you do every day. You know, but that, that's, that's what the enemy wants. Instead of you having a life that is lived day after day in obedience, submission, in a self-analysis of what you're doing, search my heart, God, how can I improve? No, you do that day after day after day. Instead of that, let's make a ritual. Because rituals, you know, they really don't change anything. Because you're there with a bunch of people, you're doing whatever they, they, they're doing. Okay? Yes, my friends. Colossians chapter 2. If you go there, if you go there to verse 20. Paul tells us, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, do not eat chocolate. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value on restraining sensual indulgence. So you see, my friends, I tell you, this is all about the doctrine of mortification of the flesh. Okay? An act by which an individual or group seeks to mortify or put to death their sinful nature. Exactly in opposition to the verse I have just read to you. That's what they do. Okay? That's what they do. Okay? In, for example, we have here. Reverend, Reverend, oh, I revere you. Michael Geisler, Catholic priest of the Opus Dei. Opus Dei is a secret cult. Horrible, horrible thing. This guy lives in San Louis, Louis, and he talks about corporal mortification. Self-denial helps a person overcome both psychological and physical weakness. Gives him energy. Helps him grow in virtue and ultimately leads to salvation. You see what he says here? Self-denial will lead you to salvation. So it's not faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? It's amazing. 
It's amazing. Of course. Hard work, work's ethic. You know, to have some discipline in the, the you know, to wake up early, do the things you have to do. I mean, come on. This is not even spiritual wisdom. It's this worldly wisdom. So that's what they do, my friends. Yeah. Jose Maria Escriva, the Catholic saint, he used to say while suffering in a hospital, blessed be the pain, glorified be pain, sanctify the pain. You see? What they're doing here, pain becomes their idol. It's their way to salvation. So, my friends, I'll tell you, it's, it's all about the power of self-righteousness. It's, it's nothing about the spirit. Because Galatians 5 says, Walk by the spirit, spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Okay? The gospel of Christ is a call to freedom. It's a call to freedom. All right. Let's just stop for a minute and we will be back. In a recent double blind study from the Institute of Prophetic Studies in Southern California, Researchers concluded that humans who listen to the Freedom Friday Hour with radio hosts Paul and Linda Villanueva on the Kapow Radio Show Network were 111% more intelligent than their reptilian counterparts who did not listen to Freedom Friday, but instead were busy destroying mankind. Researchers also concluded that Freedom Friday listeners were better looking than their four-eyed, two-legged, freestanding Gila monster, turtle-faced reptilian counterparts. So share your good looks and smarts with others by telling them to join you here on the fabulous Freedom Friday Hour. Your human friends will thank you. The Kapow Radio Show Network produces high-quality podcasts that you definitely want to hear. So stick around and get prepared to stimulate your spirit. Uh, we are back on the commercial break. The dogs in the neighborhood are completely crazy. But I'll tell you, it's too hot today. So the window will stay open. <laughs> okay. And I told you that we have here a guy who is a very good example of everything that is wrong with Christianity these days. And his name is Brian Zen. Alright? Brian Zen. Who is this guy? He's a pastor. Okay? He's a pastor in a church in Missouri called Word of Life. And I'm bringing him up, him up here 
because I think he's a very good example of what is most dangerous today in Christianity. Because if you go to his church's website, Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri, 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 I don't know. Anyway, you go there and they have a statement of faith that if you read it, it's perfect. It's like God the Father, God, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, salvation by the cross. Everything is there. But then this guy, see here, he's a trillion horse. You go there, you think you're going to listen to the gospel, and he'll do the same thing. Wow, why don't you try land? We're not Catholics. But then he says, I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. He's not a Protestant anymore. Because if you think that Catholics are brothers and sisters, I mean, they believe in salvation through works and membership in their church and the sacraments. That's how they are saved. It's in the, their Catholicism. And if you believe in that, my friend, you're preaching another gospel. And then he will say, you know, let's have contemplative prayer. But this, and now he has a book that it's, has the story of his life. It's called Water to Wine, Some of My Story. It's amazing, my friends, because exactly the model that I'm talking about. Okay. He says here that he used to be uh, disappointed with his Christian walk. You know, that he was like uh, bored. And he was saying, you know, I need a breakthrough from God. God, show me what to read because, you know, he was bored. And this, my friends, happens a lot with those pastors, especially successful ones. The guy is there and he has this successful church for 10 years, you know, but it's same thing week after week. Prepare a sermon, deliver a sermon, talk to a bunch of people. Everything's doing fine. He never has any problems about paying his bills or nothing like that. You know, but he reads, you know, there's a lot of free time, you know, <laughs> lots of free time. So he reads a lot and he starts to think he's an intellectual. You know, this Zen guy, he talks about Marxism a lot. And so he's pacifist and he, he likes to say that the America is imperialist. He has another book that is all about Marxism. Okay. And... Uh, And then he starts to tell himself, no, there must be more. You know, it's the vanity. It's the pride. I must do more and more. You know, I must be more special. There's a lot of guys here in Brazil. They're exactly the same thing. And they, they start their blogs. And, and I, th I, think, I think it's so dishonest, my friends. Because, you know, you want to sell your ideas. Sell the, your ideas to the outside world. 
Because what they do, they have a captive audience. Because they are little kings in their fiefdoms, in their kingdoms there. So anything basically that they will say, people will accept. Well, it's easy this way, my friend. You know, and then they start talking about Marxism, and they start, start talking about mystical experiences, you know, because they have this uh, dissatisfaction. You know, I can get no satisfaction. They don't have contentment. They don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? And it's very interesting because he went through this dark night of the soul. And when he was desperate enough, he said, I need a sign, basically. And he says here, I went downstairs feeling a bit agitated and slumped into a chair. Within a minute or two, my wife, Perry, walked into the room, handed me a book and said, I think you should read this. She knew nothing of my prayer moments ago, just handed me the book. This was my Augustine-like take and read moment. It sent chills down my spine. See here the chip thrills? Somehow I knew it was the answer to my prayer. And the book was? The Bible? No. It was Dallas Willard's The Divine Conspiracy. I mean, this is a big contemplative prayer, New Age book. And he said, reading this book was like having a door kick it open in my mind. It opened my eyes to the kingdom of God. You know, he had been a pastor for years and years at this moment. Okay? And he says, the kingdom of God is, well, everything. So see the panentheism here? This world that is in the hands of the devil, that is rotten. He, he thinks this is the kingdom of God. Okay? And of course, then he says... The writings of Teresa of Avila, Thomas Aquinas. You know, Teresa of Avila was a mystic. Okay? So, Thomas Merton. You know, all those authors, my, my friends, they're all about mysticism. They're all about mysticism. Okay? And then he started to write about mysticism. You see, you see it, it, it's really not Jesus that changes the life of those people. It's the occult revelation. It's Gnosticism, my friends. What is Gnosticism all about? It's about having some kind of a strange revelation that nobody else has or only elite of people have. And then change your life. So he's a mystic. And if you go to his church, okay, they are preaching. Contemplative prayer. It's here in the, the website here. Okay. 
you go there and he talks about the disciplines. They start in the web page, they start saying the word discipline seems like a bad word, but it really isn't. Think of the Christian disciplines as, as the habits we form in order to be in training as followers of Jesus. It's like going to the gym. In his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster, here he is again. You know, Richard Foster, Easter meditation guy, talks about inward disciplines focused on our internal life. Okay? Doing these things does not change us, but they put us in a place where we can be changed. So, once again, you are in a place where you can be changed when you obey God, when you are in submission to Him. And then He can change you. We're going to talk about this in our next program. But He says that if you do works and rituals, then you can be changed. It's a totally different religion, my friends. Okay? And they say, the outward disciplines are things like simplicity, solitude, and giving tithes and offerings. Oh, of course. Of course. The practice of simplicity is choosing to slow down the business of our lives. Well, good for you, because the rest of us, we have to make a living and feed our children. Learning to say no. Well, they say lots of no's, especially for other people who need help, who need friends. And creating margins in our schedule. Okay? The upper room is a great place to find solitude. Giving sites is where we... We give God the first 10% of our income. Giving offerings is any amount above that. You can give online via PushPay. PushPay, that's a good, that's a good name for that. PushPay. So this is the Brian Zen guy. And then I thought to myself, let me check what this guy is all about. Then I went to his blog. You know what they did? A sabbatical walk to Santiago of Compostela. And said, well, I've been a pastor for 35 years. He said, he's so good. I've written 3,000 sermons. Oh, such a saint. In the past seven years, I've written six books. Oh, yes, about politics. And about occultism. And you bash Trump every day in your Twitter. Okay? So, he, he's just a saint. Now it's time for a sabbatical. You think he's going to enjoy some good time in a beach, at the beach, think, things like that? No. He went to the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. You know, this is a pilgrimage, my friends. The, the Catholics invented. No, you go all the way to the north of Spain until you reach the city of Santiago de Compostela and you go inside the cathedral. Because if you do that for five weeks, you just walk and walk and walk and pray. And then you stop at certain points because you need to go to the small churches and pray in those small churches. And then you're going to be blessed. 
So do you think this is a ritual or not? And that's the thing that he chose for his vacation. You know? All the occultists, they love it. Paulo Coelho, he loves it. It's in his book. He went there. Because they have the enlightenment, you know? You're opening yourself for spiritual influences during that time. You know, you earn it. That's the word here. You earn it. It's not that God is giving you. You're earning it with your sacrifice. Walking, walking, walking. Even though he uses probably Timberland boots, which are very comfortable. And he has an American Express card. So if anything goes wrong, you know, help is just a call away. It changed his life, he said. I've been planning this for a long time. Four years ago, I, you know, I told my wife, Perry, I could not really bear another presidential like season. <laughs> It's so toxic to my soul. Little baby cannot see the, the, the election season. You know, it's interesting that it was his wife who suggested the pilgrimage. So you see, it's his wife who gave him the book, the New Age book on contemplative prayer. It's his wife that suggests that he goes to the Catholic pilgrimage. He's Ahab. He's dominated by, by the crazy ideas of his wife. Okay? I told him, well, you're doing what the occultists love to do. And he answered me, oh no, I just found Christians there. It was great. Oh yes, because those people, they think they're Christians. That's the problem. And of course, he thinks that Catholics are Christians. You see? It's interesting because I, I, I told him on his Twitter, you are really preaching Luciferian doctrine, Gnosticism. And then he started, you know, the usual rant. That's what you get from preaching Jesus. You know, I'm persecuted. Is he persecuted? This is chastisement. It's not persecution. I'm bearing witness against you, my friend. This is not persecution. You're a successful, rich king of your church. You know they have there? Chili con carne. They don't have Christian tacos. They have Christian chili. Very rich church. But you know all those people? They live in the first world country. Comfortable lives. So they feel a little guilty. It's just like the new age people. I need, you know, something to make me feel good. Because deep inside, I know that I'm selfish. I know that I don't care about others. I really don't do what I'm supposed to do. Deep inside, my conscience is telling me that. So I go to this church where I just share the talk that I will help the poor. That I like Marxism. I don't like Donald Trump. And I, you know, 
I'm going to talk about love. That's what people do now. They talk about If you talk about love, it's okay. You, you don't need to do anything. Just talk about it. You know, you're very uh, open to other religions. Oh, yes, he has several different articles. Okay, there's one about prayer. And he says here, Brian Zen, I have more in common with the Egyptian Muslim who prays five times a day than with the European secularist who never prays. I have more in common with the Indian Hindu who prays to Brahma than with the American consumerist, or bad capitalist, who prays to nothing at all. I have more in common with the mystic Rumi than with the deist Jefferson. So you see, my friends, it's prayer for prayer. It's the activity of prayer that is an idol, that is a god. It doesn't matter that you're praying for a demon. Okay? So you see what he does? Rituals, mystical experiences. Okay? And then he says, you know, go to the book of common prayer. This is perennialism, my friends. You know, it's the practices, it's the activities that really are different. But the essence is the same. It's the same. You know, all the paths lead to, to God. There's the, the Luciferian light behind all the, the, the religions. But it's just the case that you were born in the USA. So you are a Christian, nominal, cultural Christian. But basically you are the same than the Muslim. You know, it's, uh, all the paths lead to God. You know, you should pray for Jesus, he will pray for Allah, but it's basically the same thing. So see how, how subtle it is? And then he has another article, stop using the Bible. But then he says, you know, he wants to be shocking. So he uses this title that is dramatic. But then he says, don't stop reading. Don't stop thinking about it, but stop using it like a tool. Okay? And he says, no, because, you know, I have lots of manuals for all my appliances here. But the Bible is not, nothing like a manual. It's just an epic poem telling a story. And the story is not about you. doesn't matter that the Bible says about itself that the word is a light unto my path. Okay? It directs my feet. My steps. So how come it's not a manual? Of course it's also a poem. It's a history book. Of course it's all of those things. It's 66 books, man. It's a thick book. There's a space there for everything. You know? You know what he's, why he's doing this? So you stop using the Bible to direct your steps. And you wait until you have a revelation during meditation from a demon telling you what you have to do. When you're there praying in a shrine with candles in front of you. That's what he wants you to do. You know, but he, he, never, he will never say, 
quit the Bible for good. Because he's dishonest, he's deceptive, like a snake. That's what he says, you know. The difference between Jesus and the Pharisees. The problem with the Pharisees is not that they obey the Bible. It's that they obeyed only the superficials, superficial commands of the Bible. And they never tried to understand principles. But God commanded them for obeying the law. God never said it's a bad thing that you obey the law. He never said that. The problem is that they obey the superficial elements of the law, but they lack it. They inside to go into the deep things. But you know how subtle he is? He gives you just enough so you start, stop trusting the Bible. You just stop trusting the Bible. That's how he does. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's the guy who goes to Santiago de Compostela. You know, it's all about universalism. Everybody's going to be saved eventually. The movie The Shack that is, that is now in the United States coming on April to Brazil. Okay? You know, since everybody's saved, you know, there's not much that you have to do. You know, you just need to feel closer to God. It's like a new ager. I, I want to feel the power of the universe. Oh, yes, my friends. That's the way they do it. That's the way they do it, my friends. Pastor Brian Zen. He says things like, God is in everything. He says, love all of God's creation. Actually, he wants to say worship God's creation. But he doesn't go that far because he's not honest enough. Both the whole of it and every grain of sand. Love every leaf, every ray of God's life. Love animals, plants, each thing. If you love each thing, you will perceive the mystery of God in things. See how it is? God in everything. God in everything. Oh, yeah. He quotes Thomas Merton in his book like it's a good thing. If I can unite in myself the thought and devotion of Eastern and Western Christendom, the Greek and the Latin fathers, the Russian and Spanish mystics, I can prepare in myself the reunion of divided Christians. Bring together what is divided. Okay? Ecumenism. All right? And he calls God angry. You know, he's not okay with the, with the cross. I, I mean, there's a lot of... I would need another couple of shows just to tell you lots of 
wrong ideas that, that he brings here. Okay? And it's a, a code that he has in his book here. Again. Hello? A code that he has in his book here. It's very telling. You know? The way forward is far less political and far more mystical. A generation ago, the great Catholic theologian Karl Renner predicted the devout Christian of the future will either be a mystic, one who has experienced something, or he will cease to be anything at all. The future of Christianity belongs to the Thomas Merton kind of Christian, not the heirs of Jerry Fowle. You see, my friends, he says here, this should be seen as a welcome change. It's only our false hopes that are being disappointed in the death of Christendom. He wants to kill Christendom. You know, and it's a very old trick. He, he will get, you know, pick up some uh, faulty Christian conservative leader. You know, that it, it's like beating a dead horse and oppose him to a mystic. And then, of course, the mystic will look good. So, my friends, I'll tell you. The new wagers, they're all excited. They're saying that they will get their extension. They're saying that they will, you know, uh, their antichrist is coming, basically. That's what they're saying. And uh, those people in the churches, they're preparing the way for the antichrist. You know, they are it's a very subtle, in a very subtle way, inserting all kinds of rituals and mystical experiences. So you get used to that. And you forget about the Bible being a light unto your path. You forget about being submission. You forget about faith and you start to rely on your rituals, your works. And, uh, you know, usually under his control in, the, in his church. Okay. That's what he does. That's what he does, my friends. That's why I say that those things are subtle. So, you know, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Keep true to the Bible, because soon, my friend, there will be few of us. We're seeing the separation of goats and sheep. So it better be a ship, okay? Because Jesus Christ is coming back to bring his ship to heaven with him. All right? Thank you very much for your attention. I hope that you have learned something today. And I will see you next week. God willing. Bye-bye. <laughs>